And now, prepare your ear holes for penetration as we bring you another great podcast from the Poop Culture Extended Universe. Warning, the following program features content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Bocephus Broadcast. Greetings, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 31 of the Bocephus Broadcast. Glad to be back with you in the basement for another week of shenanigans across the World Wide Web. I had to uh, had to think about that. Is this This is episode 31, I think. That's what we're going to call it. Anyway, uh, my brain probably looks like the uh, the grease dumpster at a fast food restaurant after this weekend. Legitimately just walked into the door and uh, damn, does it feel good to be home? So good. This weekend was a first for me. First time uh, visiting Nebraska and uh, first time playing in Nebraska. Played in a little town called Tecumseh. And when I mean little, I mean uh, little as in most of the businesses shut down during the county fair, which is what we played last night, the Johnson County Fair. And I am exhausted. We played Friday night till uh, about 11 o'clock, got home, finally wound down and went to bed around one o'clock and had to uh, had to meet up to leave at six o'clock the next morning. So I'm dead. I'm dying. And any hope for getting rest last night after we played, since it was an early show, we were done at 830, uh, right out the window because we, we stayed at a place called the, the Super 7 Inn in Tecumseh only hotel in town and uh, I, I guess that's grounds for kind of cutting corners maybe slacking off I don't know they seem to have pretty low standards there for being the only one in town I mean this place uh, this place was a trip the hallways were were decorated in like this Pepto pink uh, paint and uh, windows covered with what looked like Persian curtains maybe pretty hideous Pretty hideous. Uh, the first room we were booked into, the exterior door, because there were ones that were, you know, interior into the hallway and go in the room, and then you can also exit through a, an exterior door to the parking lot. Well, the exterior door in the first room was unlocked, and the door was wide-ass open, so uh, I hope the uh, previous people in there enjoyed the drug exchange that likely went down. And it felt like a freaking coffin inside until we uh, found the air and figured out how that worked. It was disgusting. Stuffy. Hot. So we were off to a rousing start after check-in, uh, but, you know, we did just enough time to get in a little cat nap and watch some women's golf because I'm really into that. So we did that before we had to go back to the uh, the fairgrounds. But yeah, the show was good. Hour and a half, like I said, it was one of the shorter shows that I've ever played, and that was really nice. Either way, you know, made some money, got a couple free cheeseburgers out of the deal. Could have been a lot worse. There were about uh, about 30 people that showed up to watch us or just happened to stumble upon the grandstand and needed a place to sit down for an hour and a half. That tally actually jumped to about 100 people after we finished playing, though, so that's pretty good. They uh, they showed up to watch the barrel racing and the, the calf roping that went on, the fairgrounds. So they were definitely there for the real entertainment of the evening, no doubt. More people you know, probably should have showed up, though, because uh, they may have seen one or all five of us fall through the stage floor, since that was made of plywood, and roughly 40 to 60% of it was dry-rotted, so you know, I, I like a show with a little dangerous physical element to it. That's... um. That's a, that's a rousing thing to be a part of. So anyway, we play, we pack up, we leave, get back to the hotel, and uh, we discover upon re-entry that there are just bugs everywhere, all over the hotel. Now, we didn't sign up for uh, triple occupancy, but uh, that seemed to be the case. They were just kind of... You ever seen the movie Joe's Apartment? 
kind of like that. You know, you walk in and there's a cockroach sitting at the table smoking a cigarette. There's another one watching reruns of Carson on the old tube television they've got mounted to the wall there. Kind of like that. And, you know, you're just kind of like, oh, do we just, you know, go with it? Let it happen. So we decided it got bad enough that the, the bugs were um, the bugs were trying to befriend us and uh, ask us if we wanted to go to the local watering hole. And, you know, I just, I just kind of burned out on people, didn't feel like it. So we switched rooms. We requested to uh, switch rooms and they moved us up to the second floor. Also hotter than a coffin till we turned the air on in there. Uh, but less bugs, so it seemed. Didn't do too much investigating. Was pretty tired. Anyway, uh, I, I slept on on top of the comforter and in my clothes just to be safe. You know, I didn't want to see what kind of uh, DNA treasures were hidden underneath it. Woke up the next morning, of course, found some bodily fluid of some sort on the bed skirt before checkout. So there, there's that, you know, pretty good stay, I would guess. I don't think I would call it a Super 7 in though. It's obviously not as good as a Super 8 or a Motel 6. I'd probably call this one a Decent 3. That's probably what I would have named it instead. The Decent 3 Motel. It's a pretty good ring to it. I think you can market that. And uh, though I feared, you know, getting syphilis or dysentery or something else that folks may have gotten on the Oregon Trail or at a turn of the century brothel and speakeasy, I went ahead and took a shower this morning, washed the uh, thick coat of fairground dust and dirt out of my beard and off my body and uh, scrubbed the shame away from the motel as well. Just kind of sat in the tub uh, with the shower head beating down on me while I cowered in the fetal position, rocking back and forth and softly crying for about uh, 20 minutes. Nice conditioner, though. Made my beard really soft. But I'll tell you what, though, a a 10-hour road trip and a 15-passenger van pulling a big-ass trailer is, is only fun for so long, for maybe an hour. Definitely a memorable experience regardless, though. We got to see some cool things along the way, like the Sack Lumber Company, and that was the uh, butt of a lot of jokes. But man, like I said, I am so glad to be home. That is a legitimate sigh of relief. SummerSlam is tonight, and since you know I'm one of those uh, repugnant pieces of human garbage, you know I'm probably about to turn that on any minute now and most likely order a pizza or make a pizza. That uh, sounds like a pretty good evening to unwind that way. Because, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe the pizza will give me that boost since I'm, I'm kind of Jackson Brown on myself again and running on empty. Speaking of running on empty, though, uh, I want to thank our sponsor this week, Nerd Roast Coffee Company. If you're like me, today especially, and you need a little pep in your step, you can choose from a multitude of their premium blend offerings made with 100% Arabica beans and featuring a, a slightly nerdy twist. It's kind of a marriage of two of my favorite things. Uh, you can get a bag of uh, Bean Me Up Scotty or... You can do like I did. You get the uh, Batman-inspired The Dark Roast. And I got Emily a bag of their uh, Harry Potter-inspired coffee, Espresso Patronum. We're pretty excited for those to get here. You can jump in on the fun and save yourself some money in the process. Just visit nerdroast.com. Pick your favorite and use the code PCEU at checkout for 20% off your order. Where else are you going to get a discount like that? Nowhere! Nerdroast.com, our sponsor this week. Get yourself a bag and enjoy it. You know, I think it's always a good sign when something like this happens, or, or at least I take it as a good sign. Before we left for Nebraska yesterday morning, Say It Isn't So by Hollow Notes, one of my favorite songs of all time, was playing on the radio. I'm also kind of disappointed that I had to leave town on the weekend when they're doing the Fleetwood Mac weekend on the oldie superstation, but it is what it is. Anyway, when we got back just a few minutes ago, Rich Girl was playing. So you got Hollow Notes before you leave, Hollow Notes when you get home as a homecoming gift. It's very sweet. Stars must be aligning for me or something. But we're going to touch on some hollow notes today because uh, my guest is none other than the creator of the yacht rock genre, 
star of the Yacht Rock web series, and now one of the hosts on the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. But Yacht Rock itself, it's something that's become uh, very, uh, very near and dear to me in my late 20s. It's, it's because it's like this rediscovery. I mean, I was raised on a lot of this music. Because I don't think my parents really listen to much modern music. You know, we listen to a lot of... Uh, the station was like 107.3. They do uh, the oldies weekends and stuff like that. So, I mean, this was kind of my musical raising, per se. But now, as a more mature... Maybe I don't want to say more mature, but, but, but as an older person, I can respect things more. And uh, this particular music is certainly uh, falling under that umbrella. Anyway, I'm straying off the, the beaten path here. It's that whole dumpster grease brain thing going on again. Anyway, this guy has truly been a dream guest of mine since before episode one, before I even started thinking about doing this whole podcast. And uh, and people, I got him. I got him. This was a banner day when I locked this one down, and I probably blew up like 8 million people's phones. Because the strange thing is, is most of the people that listen to this podcast are also fans of Yacht Rock. So if you happen to be listening to this on a yacht, Fantastic. Uh, also, why the hell have you not invited me on your yacht? Anyway, stick around. In a few minutes, we're talking all things yacht and a few things nyat with Hollywood icon Mr. J.D. Riznar up next on the Bocephus Broadcast. You're listening to the Bocephus Broadcast. Mmm, simply delicious and nerdy. You heard right. Nerd Roast Coffee offers you premium roasted coffee, made to order, and shipped right to your front door. It's delicious coffee, made and roasted fresh with 100% Arabica beans. And just enough nerd mixed in to keep you from getting roughed up for lunch money by the office bully again. Choose from roasts like Java the Hut, Bean Me Up Scotty, and more. Visit NerdRoast.com and snag a bag today. And while you're at it, grab a mug or some Nerd Roast apparel. Plus, use the code PCEU at checkout for 20% off your order. Nerd Roast Coffee Company. Nerd to your mother. Now, back to the Bocephus Broadcast. My guest today is a pillar of the Hollywood community. He's a writer, actor, and everything in between. A true multimedia renaissance man, and he also created a little something known as Yacht Rock, which spawned an internet series, a podcast, and now a controversial satellite radio station. He has been a dream guest of mine since uh, day one. It's an honor and privilege to welcome Mr. J.D. Riznar. So glad to have you here today. Man, after that buildup, you probably said my name and your audience went, oh... I think it's the exact opposite, actually. There's a lot of people that uh, have been pulling for this to happen, and I'm really excited about it. A pillar of Hollywood, though. A pillar, yeah. I'm making you look good. This is gonna this is gonna open some huge doors for you, hopefully. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I'd uh, venture guess, like I said, that nearly everybody that's going to be listening to this already has a, a pretty firm grasp on what Yacht Rock is. But for those who only know about the Sirius XM channel, can you give me kind of a brief synopsis of how the real Yacht Rock came to be? Like, it started with something uh, I read that you called Chinese Thanksgiving with a lot of people that are involved with the series, right? Oh, that's just sort of how I met uh, David and Hunter and Steve. Mm-hmm. Because um, I would have these, my, our friend Tony invented Chinese Thanksgiving uh, in New York City. And so we did the L.A. branch, which was just a barbecue every Sunday. <laughs> That's all it is. Perfect. You, maybe you wear a tank top. I'm fine with that. That sounds like a pretty ideal Sunday, I think. Yeah. So we'd barbecue and, you know, these guys moved into town and um, they, 
you know, my roommate, they went to college with her. So they came over and I met them and we bond over records and a fast friendship was formed. And all these records were pretty much kind of the, the foundation of Yacht Rock, yes? I mean, some of them. We'd also listen to, to, uh, to Journey and Dio. Um, but, you know, we'd pull out, you know, Loggins and Messina, best friends, and go, look at these guys on this boat. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we'd also I'd talk about how much I love Mike McDonald's and background vocals right. and see the band stuff and how elite and beautiful it is and how appropriate it is that these guys are on yachts on, on these album covers because, uh, <laughs> you know, the music's so great. Um, and, you know, Dave and I had a hash out whether it was Yacht Rock or Marina Rock, and I won. Uh, and uh yeah that's how that came to be so eventually you went to work for channel 101 and you kind of you spun this love of of smooth music into what would be more or less like like a pilot uh pilot right of the yacht rock series i mean did you did you have any idea that this would garner such a big following no channel 101 is just a funsy contest Mm -hmm. um you know so we were entering these five minute pilots every every month and we'd get screened but we never get voted back and it was getting frustrating so hunter said we should do something about something we love we should do something about yacht rock and i think his idea and i've always gotten it wrong i always thought it was jewel thieves on the boat who listened to yacht rock idea but his (laughs) idea was actually pretty cool it was like we would play people trying to break into the scene like nobody's trying to break in right and i thought well that's fun but what if what if we were actually long as a mcdonald writing songs together and so that, that sparked that, and uh, I wrote it, and we shot it in a couple weeks, and uh, yeah, we, we got screened. We almost didn't get screened, because Dan Harmon thought that nobody would understand who these people were, <laughs> uh, but we had some advocates on the panel, and so we were, so, we were selected to be screened, and we were the number one show that month. And um, it just kind of blew up from there, right? Well, from that, I mean, we, we just, that was exciting to be the number one show at Channel 101 in 2005. That was yeah. a very exciting thing. Um, and so the next couple months, we were just riding that high. And then, like, in November, somebody wrote a column about it in, the San, in one of San Francisco's free alternative weeklies. And, uh, and they were like, whoa, this is really something. And then I think that December, there was, like, a, we got a page in Spin Magazine or something like that. And like, hey, this is cool. Um <laughs> And then, yeah, so it's been a slow sort of, it felt like a big thing. It was a big thing for us for a while. Like we, we could go around and screen it in different cities and like 500 people would show up. We were like a cool indie band kind of. Yeah. And that kind of waned after a while. And then the serious thing started and people, the, the, the term really got into the vernacular big time. Um, and uh, now, yeah, now it's a, it seems to be a different thing. And we're fighting to sort of teach everybody what Yacht Rock's really about. Yeah, we'll we'll come back to that here in just a bit. Um, but the stories I read this somewhere that they're so I mean they're some are far fetched, some are you know kind of rooted in reality, I guess. But they're woven together so well and and believable to an extent. But I've read that that you attribute a lot of that um, to the knowledge of Hollywood Steve, who is no stranger to uh, VH1 top countdowns from from bygone eras. Is he like a musical encyclopedia? Kind of, not really. He wasn't. <laughs> he, wasn't he wasn't that useful in the music research. For the really? rock series no he he was a huge help um in looking at the scripts and going like well how about you know you keep things a little thematic here and like you use more <laughs> sailing metaphors and stuff <laughs> so he was actually like in the early scripts he was he was great at helping 
me find that voice of the show. And honestly, he doesn't get enough credit for that. I don't, I'm not asked about him, his involvement enough to have ever to have brought that up as much as I should have. But he was very instrumental in getting me to, to, uh, and you know, I might have that wrong too. I have such a fuzzy memory. Maybe the Ben Hunter was like, <laughs> use more sailing metaphors, but Steve, uh, Steve like gave structured tips and stuff that were extremely helpful. And, Anyway, these guys all like had great input. Um, Dave Lyons, he created the character of Coco basically out of a out of a trip to the thrift store and a drunk night with Hunter trying on different <laughs> outfits. Um, so you know, the four of us really came together to make this thing that we really loved, and I think the love shows. Yeah, were there any ideas that you guys had that you thought were like too outrageous, or they were just too much to incorporate? No, <laughs> it was no holds barred. Yeah, it was. It was sort of like uh, if it was easy enough to shoot, we'd do it. I think. Uh, I think one of my favorite parts was Hall and Oates because a I, I love Hall and Oates and b because of the way you made you made John Oates the asshole and Daryl Hall was like his lesser counterpart. So like, how did some of these characters? You know, how did you create their personalities? Who? How did you? How did you decide to make John Oates the asshole? You just want to buck expectations, you know? How yeah. boring would it be if, if Hall was the asshole and Oates was the quiet <laughs> one in the back? You know? Why even shoot that? Why bother? <laughs> um, you know, if it's not going to be interesting, if, you, if I don't find it interesting, nobody else is going to find it interesting. So make it interesting. You're fictionalizing, you know, real people. Mm-hmm. So have fun with them. Yeah. There are some accounts of uh, like those you know who are portrayed in the series of, of either being a fan or not being a fan, or, or those who you know the, the verdict is still out. Who are some of the people that have weighed in on this phenomenon? Uh, all the big guns have. I think Mike McDonald thinks the series is funny. From what yeah. I, I have, the same information you have from public interviews and stuff. Oates loves it. At one point, Hall and Oates people offered me t- uh, tickets and background backstage passes to the show oh wow but i had already bought tickets with my wife so i i gave it to the guys who played hall and oats and so they got to go backstage and meet hall and oats and they got pictures and it's uh it's very funny and they said oats was super cool and like totally got it and hall was kind of a weirdo and standoffish all you gotta do is watch like an episode of live from daryl's house and you, you get that vibe you know, I'm never. It's a, it's a cinch, but I've never watched Life in Daryl's house. You know, there's. I mean, there's some highlights. There's some stuff where it's just kind of like, "Hey, Daryl Hall, quit stepping on your guest dick." <laughs> yeah. Um, if you, I mean, have you guys ever? Have you ever considered like making a full fledged like feature length film about this? No, a film, a film, no. But we've tried to bring it to TV several times in several different ways. Um. A few years ago, I, I teamed up with the Lonely Island. They have a production company. Mm-hmm. And I got to shoot this thing called Ricky Dick's Rock Docs. And I play Ricky Dix, who's this guy who may be a liar or he may be a magical wizard. <laughs> but he, he, he keeps telling these stories of how he's been everywhere in music for the last 40 years. And, you know, so each episode had like three sort of like five to eight minute, you know, mini stories. Um, and we got to shoot one. They were like, you know, your script's okay. We'll give you $20,000 to shoot it. And um, I've been doing a lot of work for Jack Black, um, like like punching up award show <laughs> banter and stuff for him. <laughs> and, and so I, I asked, like, hey, do you want to play Georgia Marauder in this thing that I wrote? And he was like, sure, yeah, that'd be fun. 
And so I said, hey, I got Jack Black. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> okay, we'll get you Maya Rudolph. And we'll get you Ryan Philippine. And the budget's going to freaking increase by a billion. <laughs> and so, like, we, like, shot this real thing, this real eight-minute short called Ricky Dick's Rock Docs that told the story of uh, Giorgio Moroder uh, writing I Feel Love for Donna Summer. And it and it, their deal was with Fox, and I don't think Fox had any idea what to do with it. It's super weird, but I love it. I think it's got a lot of heart, and it's sort of like, it, it you know, it feels like a Hollywood version of what we did with Yacht Rock. Like, the mustaches are still fake. And so is that a kind of... Is that available somewhere? Stodgy. I'm going to... I made it available to our patrons just like last week. Gotcha. Our Patreon patrons, and I'm going to release it uh, on my YouTube channel very soon. Fantastic. Um, this is a fun thing for fans of the original show to watch. You know, yeah. I, it misses it misses the spirit, you know, the full spirit of the original where it's just a bunch of dudes making do with what they have. But mm-hmm. it's, I think it's still, it's still going to be amusing for people who like the original series. If you uh, if you were to make a full fledged like you know feature length film, and uh, if you guys like weren't you know able to reprise your roles or a studio wanted like celebrity, what celebrities would you put in which roles? Oh man, I'm no good at casting anything. <laughs> I might have had it. I might have had it at some point. I figured it out at some point, but I'm also I'm, I'm having a hard time getting grips on the hot new actors. Like in 2005, like have Paul Rudd grow a beard, he'll be Loggins. You know? I could go with that. Well, no. Yeah, that's a good idea. He's about Loggins' age. <laughs> he doesn't age sort though. Caught up? No, neither of them do. Wrap your head around this. What if What if Michael McDonald plays JD Riznar playing old Michael McDonald? It would work. I have the Michael McDonald curse. <laughs> What's the Michael McDonald curse? If you play Michael McDonald, your beard turns gray early. <laughs> That's what they make just for men for. I'm not 40 and my beard my beard is entirely white. You should just start dying it like jet black. Yeah, yeah, like that pitcher in baseball was yeah. hot a couple years ago. I think that could be a good look for you. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess in sort of a a pun intended way who who do you think is the anchor like the central figure maybe like the the founding father of yacht rock um you know we used to say michael mcdonald really held things together um he's you know his presence always increased the song's yacht rock cred but since doing the podcast we've learned about guys like jay graden who you know started as a as a really great session guitarist and did the guitar solo for peg and then and then got um they got hired to start producing albums and sort of was a, you know, he really fostered that sound that whatever that is, that jazz influenced R and B sound of yacht rock, that I can't really put my finger on, but I knew it when I hear it. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's like you said, you can't really put your finger on it, but what I described it as was like this. It's very, you know, like you said, it's very, studio based like these session players that, that brought the sound that you know it's smooth it incorporates a lot of keys and and some very vibrant bass lines but i know it's a lot more than that um but what you could tell me what the doobie bounce is i don't know how to describe the doobie bounce because i can't <laughs> I, I can't talk in musical terms <laughs> that's the important thing but what a fool believes has it it's like it feels like the music is bobbing up and down so just like that I don't know I like picture that as being like floating like a buoy in the ocean you know like that's the kind of vibe it instills 
That's a great way to look at it. There we it go. is sort of like a gentle rolling bounce. Kenny Loggins himself appeared on a on a local New York State TV news show uh, last year, and they said, "So what is it with this yacht rock thing?" Like, oh, okay, <laughs> it's like this thing from the internet, uh, and then he went on to define the music perfectly. He was like, uh, "You know, you should search, you should seek out this clip because it's great." And it's just like. You know, in the in the mid '70s, we started making music and, and bringing in uh, these jazz musicians like Bob James and the Brecker Brothers, and they would bring this jazz to our records. I don't know. Everything he said was perfect. You know, he defined it better than than we ever could. And we, it just gave us like goosebumps. Like, yes, <laughs> you I mean, get it. You get it. It's got to be kind of weird, like to be part of a genre you didn't really know ever existed. Right, but the thing that I've realized in doing the podcast is like, whatever this yacht rock sound is, it's like, it was pretty much the popular sound of maybe a quarter of pop music. Yeah, just like a, like a branch of pop music. You uh, mentioned uh, you mentioned the podcast. You guys have come up with a spectrum that pretty much dictates whether a song is yacht rock or yacht rock. So, I mean, how does how does the system work? Well, first, it's ninety eight percent accurate. Maybe even 99% accurate. It's a combined <laughs> system. Basically, you know, somebody will ask on Twitter or on Patreon or something, you know, is this song Yacht Rock or not? And we'll play it and we'll listen to it. And uh, you will see who played on it. Usually, the first thing you do is listen to it and go, okay, this sounds like a Yacht Rock song. And then right. you see who played on it and you go, oh, of course it sounds like this because Jake Graydon's on guitar and he produced it, you know. Or like Michael Boddicker's on synth, of course. And then, you know, we think about the era like who the artist is um, but you mostly it just comes down to sound like everything else is just sort of checking your work to make sure that we're hearing what we're hearing mm-hmm. and so we rated we each all four of us on the podcast give it a number between zero and 100 and anything 50 and above then we average out the scores and anything 50 above is yacht rock and anything below is yacht rock and it's, that's called the Gene Yatsky scale <laughs> Yeah, rock music. <laughs> is Gene Yatsky a, a, a fictional character, I'm assuming? Uh, as far as I know, he's real. He's a gentleman, <laughs> a Polish immigrant who uh, lived in the 1920s. He was just a blue-collar factory guy who had a weird obsession with smooth music before it was even invented. Man. He sort of came up with this. and Kind of the Nostradamus of, uh, of uh, smooth 70s pop. The harbinger of smooth. Mm-hmm. So, based upon the spectrum, what is the ultimate yacht rock song? I mean, like, what scored the highest? What a fool believes is our only one hundred, and will probably be the only one hundred. And coming in a close second is "Heart to Heart" by Kenny Loggins. Mm. What is the uh, what is the most yacht rock song? What's got the worst score? I think um, "Sail On" by Bad Brains. I don't know if I've it, ever heard that song. It's a punk rock song. <laughs> so it's just, it's just a straight up punk song. There's nothing yachty about it, and might have gotten a couple points for having sail in the title. What do you um, think? And it's, and it's of the era, I think. But there's a lot of eagle stuff down at the bottom. There's a lot of, you know, I mean, so it just depends on on what we've been asked about. I mean, ninety nine percent of music is at the bottom of the Yatsky scale, you know. Um, but. As far as stuff you asked about, yeah, you can get a couple points for having sailing in your title and being from the seventies. <laughs> what do you think was the like the final great song in the genre? I think it's still being made, actually. Like, really, uh, Thundercat. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. 
Yeah, he came out with a song of Mike McDonald, Kenny Loggins, like this year right. called "Show Me the Way," and it is good. It's damn it's good. Not. I listened to it before because I saw you guys had uh, somebody posted about it on Twitter just you know probably an hour or so ago, and I looked it up, and it's uh, damn good. Yeah, it's uh, it's, you know, it's not yacht rock by all the normal standards sure. of the seventies and eighties. But what I love about modern yacht rock is that you know you can you can have somebody mimic the thing exactly and that's fine but i really like the modern yacht stuff that like feels like yeah rock but is sort of pushing the envelope in some new direction right you know it's like let's tow let's tow the boat out in this part of the harbor and see how it sounds (laughs) (laughs) it's uh is boz skaggs considered yacht rock and moreover is lowdown considered yacht rock because every time i hear it come on i always ask myself that question yeah lowdown's uh Lowdown is Yacht Rock. You can go to yachternyacht.com and check. Uh, there's quite a few standards that we've done already. It only it only covers the songs that we've already um, yachtskied, but I think there's like, uh, like a, about 190 songs that have made the boat so far, um, and all the classics around there. Lowdown has made it. Nice. Um, controversially for me, Lido Shuffle did not, um, but Boss Gags is a guy who... Um, he sort of is is the reason Toto exists because on his first album Silk Degrees he had David Page and um, Jack Picaro of Toto on there and they were just great studio musicians at the time and on the strength of their work when they toured with Boz they they brought on Steve Lukather and um, I think Steve Picaro went with them and Cal uh, Souza who else is in that band anyway. So like all of hey, David Hungate, the bassist. Mm-hmm. So all of Toto, except for their singer Bobby Kimball, were touring with Boss Gags, and on the strength of their work, the record company gave them a deal. And so Toto came out with an album, and the next album didn't do so well. So they continued to do studio work, and you know you find a member of Toto on almost every Yacht Rock song. It's, yeah, it's pretty uncanny. Jeff Picaro, one of the greatest drummers of all time, and he was working with everyone. You mentioned uh, Silk Degrees, which I think is probably the smoothest album title ever. Is there an Ultimate Yacht Rock album title? Album title? Yeah. Probably Christopher Cross's self-titled album. <laughs> <laughs> the quintessential more, Yacht Rock album title. Is there a more gentle, jazzy, cool name? Probably not. Than Christopher Cross? If you were to create a Yacht Rock supergroup, who's in it? It's uh, Mike White's on lead vocals. Um... Kenny Loggins is on guitar and also vocals, and Mike McDonald's also playing the keyboard. Um, Brenda Russell's in there too. She's doing background vocals. She gets a lead a couple times. Yeah. It's sort of like a Fleetwood Mac group. I like it. A bunch of leaders um, on drums. I mean, the ghosts of Jeff Picaro. <laughs> you bring him back in hologram form. That's really big right now. Yeah, you know, we, we'd swap out Jay Green and Steve Lukather depending on who's available. I actually may prefer Steve Lukather because he brings a little more rock and Yacht Rock needs a little rock in it. Right. Um, that always makes it super nice. And what else are we missing? Bass? Yeah. Abe Laboreal. This guy Abe Laboreal plays on everything. He was one of the session greats at the time. Whether or not he uh, he's, <laughs> he's any good in his own creative <laughs> band, I don't know, but he plays good stuff. He's got a great serial killer name, I'll give him that. Yeah. Um, and then maybe if we need another keyboardist, we throw Greg Fillon Gaines in there. He was, he was sort of the early 80s keyboard guy. 
but I could, I could, I could, I could give you a million different combinations of bands that I would be crazy excited about. We got a good foundation there, I think, for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anyone that can really dictate whether something is yacht or yacht more than you. I mean, since you pretty much had the pivotal hand in creating the genre, and and I honestly, I get kind of pissed off when people that aren't from you know like your core, your circle that that. Um, you know, try to offer what is and isn't. And that brings me to my next point, the Sirius XM Yacht Rock channel. Does it bother you that people are trying to put like this corporate, they're trying to corporatize and, and, and you know, put the stranglehold on the genre and make it have this broad mass appeal and maybe not the most uh, rightful way, maybe? Yeah, I mean, part of me is whatever, but another part of me is like, well, first of all, Yacht Rock is corporate. It's corporate top 40 music. So it's not like, you know, there's anything to be destroyed. Um, you can't take away what it, what it once was. But, you know, when garbage, the thing about Yacht Rock is that it's really, most of it is music that's been produced very carefully and with a lot of, like, love and expertise. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, when you're, when you're playing things like Rupert Holmes' Pina Colada song, which is just a garbage song, <laughs> it, it was like... I don't know, just like the story of its production it's just a cheap song like and it it just it, there's not that elite talent there it's not elite or interesting you're playing eagle songs or like America songs the acoustic guitar is not a yacht instrument like yacht rock is all about electronic piano and um, electric guitar so this folk 70s stuff that's its own thing that's different like that's already been called something it's this pop music that has this smooth jazz R&B feel and when you start to compile it, like we have with the Yatsky scale, we start to find like what the real stuff is, um, and you know, put together a Spotify list of that, mm-hmm. um, and you put that on shuffle, and you're like, wow, this is its own thing, and this is great. This right. feels good. And you listen to the Sirius station, you're like, okay, this is fun, <laughs> Captain Hats. Okay, <laughs> all right, okay, I've heard this song a billion times in my life. Okay, like. Why are they repeating this song again? Right. Uh, and then people get pissed off at yeah at the term yacht rock. So that's what makes me mad. It's like people could be having this wonderful experience, and instead they're getting McDonald's uh, hamburgers. They're getting watered down, uh, watered down yacht yeah. rock. If that's even possible, I yeah. never thought about that. I mean, has anyone reached out to you guys about like curating the music that's played on the station, or have they asked you to be like you know they do guest host weekends and takeovers and stuff like that? Well, have they ever asked you to do it? Well, the first, the first summer they did it yeah they had us on and we did an hour of um of like you know, curated an hour of music touched by Loggins and McDonald and we found cool obscure stuff and we were like this is fun this research we did we should do a podcast so that was actually the the um genesis of the podcast yeah um but then like you know and they would listen to us um the program director there she's very nice and she listened to us and be like why are you playing Jimmy Buffett don't play Jimmy Buffett and so you all say, sorry, sorry, I'll stop. And then they didn't for a while. And now they are again. But I'm really mean to them on Twitter. So <laughs> it's probably one of the most entertaining parts of my Twitter feed. So, I mean, keep, yeah. keep it up as long as you want. Um, they did it. And they did invite us to do it again. Um, but, like, I didn't want to. And the other guys did. And we tried to put a show together. But we didn't really do a good job. And we sent it in. And they just didn't say anything to us. I think the podcast is so much better, though, just because, I mean, you can tell that you guys are having fun when you're, you know, rating songs and talking about stuff. So, I mean, if somebody hasn't listened to Beyond uh, Beyond Yacht Rock, what do they expect when they when they tune in for the first time? What's kind of the the overview? 
Well, we get a little blue. So trigger warning. If guys talking about <laughs> um, penises make you feel murderous. Um, <laughs> but we, so every show we create a new musical genre since we created rock and count down the, the top 10 songs in that genre. And, you know, we'll start with, by throwing a bone to Yacht Rock and we'll, we'll introduce a new Yacht Rock song and talk about a little bit and then we'll get into the countdown. We'll, we'll talk about the new genre and we'll define it. And, you know, I think the guys, we all do a really great job or we put a lot of care into like corralling music that's never been corralled before and going, mm-hmm. this is what they have in common and this is what you can find and here's the cliche that keeps coming up again and again. Um, and, and then we count it down. 10 to 1, 10 songs. But we don't take it that seriously. Like, there's yeah. no formula in picking the 10 songs. It's just like, and so we do some research, a little bit of research. We have some fun facts, but mostly, you know, a lot of it's just us making fun of each other. And it's fun. It's, you know, it's like, any, it's like any podcast except with cool dudes. We're the coolest dudes in podcasting. <laughs> as far as, like, bur- as far as, like, dudes riffing, a lot of, they're all hyperactive they're too they're too polished in their comedy we're just dudes cool dudes yapping that's what you can really expect have you ever thought about doing the show on a yacht yeah we almost recorded some episodes on a yacht last year we were in san diego for comic-con we, we stayed on a yacht <laughs> the four of us <laughs> on a dock yacht for, for four days and we were, but we didn't have our mobile setup ready yet so uh, we may do it again someday. We're waiting with bated breath. I, I know it's a daunting task, but have you guys considered like making a music festival for all these guys? Other people have let them do it. When this this term exploded, and I looked into it, it would take to trademark it um, really early on. Um, my lawyer said, "Well, you have to have a business intention to do something. So if you wanted to make Yacht Rock T-shirts, you could trademark it for T-shirts." Or if you want to do a music festival, you could trademark it for music festivals. And I was like, eh. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, like, be- if if it's trademarked or if you thought about trademarking it. But it sounds like there's a lot more red tape than is really worth, you know, going through that process yeah. for. Yeah, Rocket View has the trademark for live performance. Gotcha. A few of the trademarks. That's all right. Maybe one of these days it'll come up and you'll, you'll have the uh, appropriate time and funding to make it worth it all. Eh, it's not what... I like fighting the good fight from, from the low man standpoint. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun being this quiet little voice in this cacophony of garbage. Like, <laughs> Listen to me. Listen. JD Riznar, ladies and gentlemen, th- thank you so much for your time again. This has meant the world to me. Hey, thanks for having me, Bo. You betcha. Keep the fire. Keep the fire. The Mosefist Broadcast. Have you ever owned a car that you like to wash simply because you were so proud of it? 68 Buick LeSabre is that kind of car. It's a Buick. A big Buick. But don't let that scare you. People who think they can't afford it are surprised when they get the facts. We can't blame you for thinking it costs a lot of money. It looks it. A 230 horsepower V8 engine is standard equipment. So is a full line of General Motors safety features. And LeSabre has that famous Buick ride. We suggest you go to your nearby Buick dealer and test drive a 68 LeSabre. Find out how much car you get for the money. Talk to the man who talks your language. One thing for sure, 
He won't take you to the cleaners. Wouldn't you really rather have a few than any other car this year? We now return to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. All right, kiddies, I believe that is going to wrap things up for episode 31 of the Bocephus broadcast. Appreciate you listening in and certainly appreciate Mr. J.D. Riznar for stopping by today and talking to us about Yacht Rock and all things Yacht and Yacht. Don't forget to check out the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. You can find that by visiting feralaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast. All you have to do is search for Beyond Yacht Rock and follow J.D. and Yacht Rock on Twitter as well. You can follow him at J.D. Riznar. That's R-Y-Z-N-A-R. And you can follow the uh, Yacht Rock account, too, at Yacht Rock. You can follow the Bocephus Broadcast as well on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Bocephus Broadcast. Follow me on Twitter at BoBCraft and on Instagram at the same. Don't forget, on whatever platform you're listening, please take a moment to leave a review on the show. Your ratings help the show grow and become visible to new audiences that otherwise may never know about this guy sitting in his basement in Illinois talking to interesting folks from the world over. So take a few moments, if you would, please, to uh, do that. Do me a solid. Do me a kindness, would you? Hey, if you've got questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, suggestions, things like that, email bocephusbroadcast at gmail.com. I will respond with select clips from the Roseanne Barr performance of the National Anthem. Again, a big thanks to our sponsor this week, Nerd Roast Coffee. You can visit nerdroast.com and save 20% off your order when you use the code PCEU. I think that's it, man. It's a cherry on top. I need to go kick my feet up, and I hope you find time to do the same this week because we could all use a little R&R now and then. Hopefully, you'll put on some Yacht Rock while you're doing so. We'll put you in the mood for that this week, all right? Otherwise, we're going to put the kibosh on episode 31. That is going to do it, boys and girls. We will see you next time as we roll out episode 32 of the Bocephus Broadcast. We'll catch you then. You've been listening to the Bocephus Broadcast. What you just heard was a podcast in the Poop Culture Extended Universe. For more great podcasts, make your way to www.poopculture.com.